This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. Hello, Hearts of Oak. Happy Christmas to you all. Happy New Year. 2022, uh, looking back at 2022, one of the things which strikes me is the names of people who are no longer with us. And one of those individuals is Jeff Wyatt. Um, I was at his funeral a couple of months ago. And Jeff Wyatt was a larger than life character who was always forceful in his views and usually right in his views. And right at the beginning of COVID, he Uh, spoke up about what was happening and he saw the tyranny that we faced. took me a few months longer and Jeff didn't suffer fools gladly and I was probably one of those fools that frustrated him at the beginning but he was so vocal um, and so helpful in my understanding and I want to pay credit where credit is due and remember Jeff's impact certainly in my understanding what was happening and my wake up to what was happening. I know each of us have people who input it into our lives and help us understand uh, the truth of uh, what we saw around us. And for me, that was Jeff. And I know for many others, Jeff was that person in their orbit, in their lives as well. Um, for Jeff, I knew Jeff back in UKIP days and then in integrity. So integrity was our way of moving UKIP into a populist free speech arena. UKIP obviously achieved its aims of getting out of the EU and most parties never achieve a sing their single aim. What does UKIP do? And that was the whole internal battle with UKIP. Where does UKIP go from here? And we were part of, uh, with Alan Craig, setting up integrity within UKIP, which was a way of moving UKIP towards that populist free speech agenda that was sweeping across Europe. And Jeff Watt was very much part of that. Alan and I had many conversations with him at the beginning. In fact, Jeff organized our first event at Milton Keynes at a pub there. And without Jeff, that wouldn't have happened. And Jeff was one of those people who you sat with and he made things happen. You know, we sit with many people and discuss the issues. Jeff would discuss them and then, right, what are we going to do about it? Do we need an event? Do we need something planned, publicity? Let's make it happen. And he would drive it. And you need those people with what you do. And it's uh, we have a, a massive hole without Jeff doing that. There are many other people. Uh, but for me personally, it was Jeff's input into what I was doing and around me. And then into Heart to Vote. So we put together a number of clips of videos of Jeff. We could have put a lot more, there were about an hour and 20 minutes, could have been a lot longer. We put initially the him speaking at the launch of Hearts of Oak back in February 2020 in the Emanuel Centre in Westminster. He spoke and gave a Freedom Award to Based Amy. Then he spoke at the All Girls Matter event in Parliament Square, which uh, was an effort to force the deportation of the Rochdale Three. Two and a half years later, they're still here. What does that say about our conservative government? Uh, so Jeff spoke, as he always does, eloquently, uh, forcefully, passionately about that issue of uh, simply we need individuals like this to be deported out of the country. And all girls matter, even girls who've been subjected to horrendous abuse, um, they matter. Uh, so he spoke at that event. 
in Parliament Square, August 2020. Then there are lots of other clips. I think we put in some clips of us interviewing him, Alan and I. Remember those days when Mr. Alan Craig and myself would interview side by side? And Jeff was interviewed by us a number of times. But we put in clips of one of those with Jeff speaking. I think there's a little bit of Alan and I, but it's it's about Jeff and his views. And it was actually interesting going back and watching all of those interviews and realizing that, I mean, Jeff had an opinion on everything <laughs> and it was usually right. But it was good fun watching those. And then outside court, he was out, he was in court, he was arrested, do you remember? I think with Piers Corbyn uh, for being in Hyde Park with more than two people, which was legal. So he was dragged off by the police. Uh, and he fought that right to the end. And a lot of people, and I understand a lot of people, didn't want that grief, didn't want that hassle, and wanted to walk away. But Jeff said, no, I'm going to see this to the end because this is right. And if someone like that who will fight for what is right and not back away, that is something special and fairly unique. And Jeff was one of those people. What you saw was what you got. There was no difference. That was Jeff. Hard on his sleeve all the time. So those... Sit back, enjoy those clips of Jeff, and I hope it inspires you looking forward into 2023. I am, I emailed Dr. Cartland a few days ago, and I, I am hopeful going forward, no matter what we face, uh, no matter what issues we face, no matter what restrictions we face, no matter what tyranny we face, actually we'll face it together, side by side, shoulder to shoulder, and... 2023, please take the opportunity to speak truth where you are, to help people understand what really is happening. Take that responsibility upon yourself. Don't let someone else take that. Don't look around and think, oh, someone else will actually speak sense into that situation. Be the one that that brings truth to a situation where there is chaos, confusion, and complete misunderstanding, which is what we've seen in the last two years. Help people understand what is happening, grasp the reality of the situation, and show them they can actually do something about it. They're not powerless. So enjoy, Jeff, and I know it will inspire you as we move into 2023 together, shoulder to shoulder, ready to fight whatever we face. Happy New Year. Okay, Jeff, coming up. <clears throat> Well, good morning. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Um, very pleased to be here in front of you today. Um, it's a great honour to be able to uh, be here to hand out the inaugural Free Speech Award from the Hearts of Oak Movement. Great pleasure to be here. Lovely to see so many of you here. The very fact that lots of the supporters of Hearts of Oak have had to be careful about actually publicising this event speaks volumes about where our country has become. We, we had to be careful because of the opposition uh, making threats against this very meeting taking place. And I think uh, that absolutely shows where, where this country is at. We live in sinister times. To think that 75 years ago, my grandfather, amongst hundreds of thousands of other men, fought on the beaches of Normandy, fought for the freedoms that we've enjoyed post-war in this country. Freedoms that we've come to, to expect. But here we are in 2020 where we have to stand here in the country to fight for those freedoms. Freedoms of speech, freedoms of expression and freedoms of assembly, frankly, to meet like we are today. What has our country become? We have Tommy 
here today. Great pleasure to see Tommy at the heart of the Hearts of Oak movement. Now, getting on for a couple of years ago, Tommy uh, stood outside the Leeds Crown Court and did what he does best, which was report on facts, reports on the Muslim child rape gangs. He was reporting facts that were in the public domain. And for his trouble, he was arrested. For his trouble, he was thrown in jail. Three senior court appeal judges overturned that jailing of Tommy and labelled the arrest and jailing of Tommy as, um, as, as unjust and unfair. But Tommy had the misfortune of running into MP for Torridge and West Devon, Geoffrey Cox QC, who as Attorney General of the government at the time, literally changed the law 12 months after fact, specifically to charge Tommy on a trumped up charge of contempt of court. Tommy had a trial at the Old Bailey. Tommy was not given the right to be trialled by jury, which I've always expected free men of this country to have that option, but no, not Tommy Robinson. The day before the trial at the Old Bailey, I decided to spend a day of my life outside the Palace of Westminster. You know, the, the doyen of freedom, the mother of all parliaments. And I took, I took along a little placard. Neil? Now, I spent the day with that placard on a long stick, creating havoc. Now, at lunchtime, me and my friends decided to have a bit of lunch on College Green. It was a lovely, beautiful July, sunny day. And four Metropolitan Police officers came up to me and said, you've got to move on, son. What? I've broken no law. I stood my ground. There was no way I was going to leave. It transpired that the officials at the Palace of Westminster, you know, the doyen of freedom, the mother of all parliaments, had phoned the local Metropolitan Police Station and said, move that bloke on with a Tommy Robinson political prisoner placard. Now, how outrageous is that? I was going nowhere. I carried on the day, supporting my friend Tommy. Carl Benjamin, on the stage as well, another well-known social media political commentator. To make a point about the barbarity of rape, he joked about not wanting to rape Jess Phillips, MP, Labour MP. For his trouble, he was lambasted, harangued, and deplatformed. What sort of country have we become now, ladies and gentlemen? We have a situation just recently where 53-year-old Lincolnshire businessman Harry Miller had his local police constabulary ring him up to check his thinking, to check his thinking about some jocular tweets that he made about transgenderism. How outrageous is that? Now, I want to live in a country where a man can stand up in front of people and say something as innocuous as, if you were born with male protruding genitalia, you are a man. If you were born with female inward-facing genitalia, you're a woman. Now, at what point in our country did it become controversial to say that? Unbelievable. <laughs> now, Harry Miller, fortunately, is a successful businessman and he had the means to sue the Humberside Police Constabulary. And I'm pleased to say, as many in this room will know, that he had a degree of success a few weeks ago, at great expense. Effectively, that man's life and his family life has been put on hold, and I'm pleased to say that his good name has, has, has returned. We have a well-known elected professional politician, ex 
professional politician called Anna Soubry. <laughs> now, Anna Soubry, Anna Soubry does not like being called a traitor. Now, the recipient of the Hearts of Oak Free Speech Award, the inaugural Hearts of Oak Free Speech Award, is a lady that called Anna Soubry a traitor, not once, not twice, but three times. On that third occasion, Amy happened to be in the Palace of Westminster, you know, the mother of all parliaments, the doyen of our freedoms. And Amy Dallamura happened to chance upon Amy, sorry, Anna, on live TV. And the award that I'm about to present Amy Now, you all know what that, mo that moment is here, a moment captured, a moment that gets the heart of what Hearts of Oak movement is all about. This is the moment that Anna Subri called for police help. And do you know what? The police dutifully did that. The police arrived and eventually they arrested Amy. And eventually Amy was put in front of uh, Judge Lady Emma Abathnot. And was convicted on a trumped-up charge of harassment. Now, Amy will be the first to admit she's no spring chicken. And Amy spent two weeks in jail for effectively calling a professional politician a traitor. Now, in the Oxford English Dictionary, the definition of traitor is somebody that is disloyal. Now, I can think of no greater disloyalty than a well-known professional elected politician, which she was, because she's not anymore, <laughs> thanks to the good people of Brockstone, Nottinghamshire, I can think of no greater disloyalty than spending three and a half years trying to overturn the democratic decision of the people in June 2016, which is what Anna Subri did, and it's why I call the lady a traitor. So, it was with great pleasure that I can award Amy the inaugural Hearts of Oak Free Speech Award, one of the bravest ladies I know, and one of the most effective political activists I know. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Amy Dallamura. Do you know what? The truth is easy to speak. Anna Soubry really is a traitor. I don't know a word that is better to describe an elected professional politician who for three years tried to overturn the democratic vote of the people. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a traitor. I, I got into politics because of free speech. Free speech is right at the heart of what I do. Five years ago I joined UKIP, which was five years after my daughter as a teenager said to me when I was blurting out something at Newsnight on BBC Two, Daddy, you can't say that. I turned to my daughter and I said, darling, we live in a free country. We can say stuff. And that was the moment when I decided to get into politics and I joined UKIP a few years later. Free speech is at the heart of what I do. On the first week of July last year, I was on College Green with a placard that read Tommy Robinson, political prisoner. I had five 
metropolitan police officers come up to me and say, you've got to move on, son. Why? Why have I got to move on, officer? I'm not breaking any law. It turned out that the officials at the Palace of Westminster had phoned the Metropolitan Police and told them to move that bloke on with a Tommy Robinson political prisoner placard. I was going nowhere. I stood my ground. And the Metropolitan Police officers moved along. Amy Dallamura had a very similar experience. Amy Dallamura here in Westminster accused Anna Subri of being a traitor and she's got every right to do that. Last week, last Friday, Amy Dallamura, who spent two weeks over Christmas last year in jail for heckling this professional politician. Now, I do not want to live in a country where I cannot heckle a professional politician. She was not being rude, she was not being aggressive, and it's an absolute travesty of justice that An Amy Dallamura appeal for the conviction that she wrongly was, in my view, wrongly view was uh, convicted of was not overturned. I am very pleased to say that last Friday, Catherine Blakelock, along with the editor of uh, the Salisbury Review, Miles Harris, were there to report on the appeal hearing. And I implore all of you to look out for Catherine's report on the appeal that took place last week, because that will be a true reflection of the dissent into this country of the lack of free speech because it's a very, very important court case and I'm delighted that we'll all be able to read about it. Ladies and gentlemen, free speech is at the core of what I do. Um, the Metropolitan Police officers on May the 16th of this year arrested me for holding up a placard similar to what my friend Larry there is holding up. I held a placard up at Speaker's Corner, the doyen of British free speech and I was arrested for doing that. That is outrageous. We have a metropolitan police that, in my view, are politicized. Free speech. Free speech is what is at the root of what we're doing. And I'd just like to finish this speech by publicly thanking Tommy Robinson for what he has done for 10 years. That man, that man has had 10 years of what we've experienced. And uh, he deserves a medal. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. So, Jeff, um, can you give us a little bit of your background? Back in May, I mean, this has gone on for a crazy length of time. I will talk about the impact on an individual when justice is not dispensed quickly. But you were arrested back in May for the, the high crime of going for a walk in the park. Do you want to remind us of what happened back in the middle of May? Yeah, well, it's worse than that, uh, Peter. For those that don't know, May the 16th, I turned up at Speaker's Corner because there was loose talk that there was going to be an anti-lockdown uh, rally of some description. And sure enough, I turned up with uh, my buddy Paul from Milton Keynes and there was 50 or 60 people there similarly minded to me about the nonsense, I'll be polite, um, that the government was uh, spewing out about uh, Con 19. You know, the very fact that we have to be careful on what we say on a live broadcast is mm. testimony to the uh, the dangers to free speech and liberty that we're now in. You know, I, I don't want to live in a country where we have to be careful of talking about politics. Yeah. But on May the 16th, talking about politics got me cuffed by a politicised metropolitan police 
imprisoned in their prison, uh, uh, sorry, police cells for six hours. And I left Charing Cross Police Station with a charge to appear between uh, before Westminster Magistrates on the 10th of July for the charge actually was for participating in a gathering of more than two people, contrary to the coronavirus 2020 regulations, without excuse. Being in a gathering for more than two people, that was your arrestable offence? Yes. Wow. Can I just, just, just so I clarify, Jeff, because you're quite well known for this, you didn't only, it wasn't, wasn't only what you said, it was your banner or your poster that you held aloft, if I remember right, as well. Uh, so, you, you, I mean, you've done that in many places. You've done it in Parliament Square during the Brexit debate. You like to walk around with big um, information banners, let's say that. And yeah. that, was, that, that was part of the problem this time, wasn't it? The police took exception to your banner as well. Is, am I not, not right they on that? Did. You know, as soon as I um, held aloft my um, banner, which simply read on one side, freedom over fear, and on the other side of the A1 banner, it's very similar to what I've got behind me. That's my one of my latest versions, because that's what the Met Police have become, the Gestapo, and I've seen it up close and personal on too many occasions in the last month or so. And on the other side of the placard on May the 16th, it simply read, uh, I'm a free man, I'm not a number. Now, as soon as I held that aloft, um, the police, the Met Police, uh, gave me massive attention, and there was no doubt that they wanted to take me out, and they did. I was not there long, um, you know, speaking my stuff at Speaker's Corner like a, a grown Englishman is allowed to do. First time I've ever done it, I might add, May the 16th. I've only ever, on that <laughs> occasion, that was only the third occasion I'd ever been to Speaker's Corner. Uh, but it seemed a very appropriate place to, um, you know, uh, speak my politics. But no, we live, in a, we live in a country that is now run by ministerial degree, decree. And... Uh, you know, I was greeted along with, um, you know, 50 or 60 strangers. I didn't know any of these guys. Um, there was a few faces that were familiar um, on the protesting scene, but not many. And, uh, yeah, we were greeted by, you know, I, I would estimate 150 what turned out to be counter-terrorism officers. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was I was duly cuffed and uh, thrown into a, a meat wagon. Yeah. Jeff, what, what, was the, what was the experience like of... Of being taken away and held, what was what was that like, and why do they keep you for six hours? Surely they could count if you were there. They thought with more than two people, then something is done, and and you're told to then appear in court at a later date. So why were you held for that six hours? What happened? Absolutely nothing. I wasn't interviewed, um, and uh, I was just released after six hours. But I guess compared to what. Piers Corbyn has gone through since, you know, where he's been locked up for 24 hours mm. um, on, on a couple of occasions since. So it, from that point of view, it looks like I got away lightly. Not that I, um, you know, I'm not belittling the fact that six hours of your life taken away from you when you don't consider you're breaking the law, which I still, which I very much don't and, and didn't then, um, is, is, a, is akin to torture. You know, I, I'm a living man. You know, you're talking to two people here, guys. You're talking to Jeffrey Wyatt, the living man who lives under common law, which I clearly stated to the police constable as he started talking to me, um, that I am a, a living man who lives under common law and I did not consent to his harassment, which was all very clearly said to him. But despite that, um, he cuffed me and arrested me and the custody sergeant decided it was appropriate to charge me. Um, you know, that's that's akin to torture. 
you know, the other person you're looking at here is, is Mr. Jeff Wyatt, who is part of uh, normal statute society. Um, and it's that Jeff Wyatt that has been summoned to appear before the, uh, the court on Friday. Now, I'm going to help out the court on Friday because um, me, the living man who owns the, le the legal fiction that is Jeff Wyatt, Mr. Jeff Wyatt, is going to turn up and help the judge get over this jurisdiction problem. Because as far as I'm concerned, the Westminster Magistrates Court has no jurisdiction over me. Because as a common man, living under common law, as we all do, because we're fortunate in this country, because we, we have common law, backed up by Magna Carta in 1215, acknowledging our freedom, acknowledging our unalienable rights to freedom, also backed up by the 1689 Bill of Rights. Now, unlike the rest of Europe, who live under, under Roman uh, law where you know you're expressly allowed to do things in this country we are free and we do not need a government telling us we are free we are free and we live by statute um, that parliament or the government throws down on us if we consent to it and these regulations are not law this is the whole point they are just regulations and guidance and they are designed to intimidate the public, and boy, they are intimidating the public. I get why people are wearing masks, for instance, because mm. the psychological mm. operation against the people, forcing them to be fearful of what CV19 may or may not be, and I'll come on to that in a second about what it actually is, um, is, 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 is really intense. Um, at the Nuremberg, war trials in, uh, in 1945, I think it was Goering, the Luftwaffe um, head, was asked by one of the judges at the Nuremberg trials, how did you manage to get the country on your side? And he said, we made them fearful. And what he was getting at was he made them fearful about the Jews, because it was the Jews that the Nazis blamed for all the world's trouble. Now that fear contagion that the Nazis successfully imposed against the people in Germany is exactly what our government are doing now to our population regarding Con 19, as you call it. Peter. It wasn't just fear of the Jews, though. It was fear of the violence of the of the of the Nazi police and the, the Gestapo and the rest of it, who made it quite yeah, clear. But Jeff, can I just take just a sort of human angle? I'd just like to take you back. We're getting all these fascinating things, but going back to that day when you were arrested, you'd never been in trouble with the law before. Suddenly you're arrested, you're cut off and you're put in prisons, uh, police cells. What's the experience like for those who have never been in prison? How did you feel at the time? Were you, were you concerned? Did you relax and enjoy yourself? Did you um, shout and bang on the, on, on the cell doors? And also, what, what, what's the impact on your, your partner and your family and so on? Yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't say it's a pleasurable experience. I certainly want, don't want to go through it again, that is for sure. But I, um, as soon as I, I hit the van, um, I completely calmed down because you probably can see from the videos, I did a bit of political shouting as they were marching me towards the, uh, the police van. But as soon as I sat down, I thought, OK, fine. You know, these guys are acting unlawfully, I believe, but they've got the cuffs, they've got the guns, they've got the, uh, the police cell, so they are in control. You know, it, it's, uh, there's one thing having legal rights or common law rights. There's another when you're being physically forced into a situation. So I turned to the arresting officer, PC Samir, and I said to him, look, I'm totally cool. And with that, to his credit, he, he took the cuffs off. And I just sat in the van, um, calmly thinking about, no, this is going to be an interesting experience. Um, and, I, and I went on a learning 
exhibition expedition really just to see what it's like uh, to be treated like a criminal and um, it was a fascinating experience so they took you to a police station the police they slam you in the police cells and then you sit there what happens over the six hours you're in the police cells nothing did nobody come to you did they give you a drink or, or did they allow you to have a solicitor what ha what happened uh, not much really. Um, I have to say the police officers at Charing Cross Police Station were perfectly reasonable. Um, they, they threw me in a cell on my own and uh, yeah, the, uh, the bed linen isn't very good, the food is crap um, and the tea's not very good either. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I caught up on some sleep and uh, the time went by and uh, to be honest i was quite surprised i was completely quiet you know I, I made a call to home to let home know what i was doing um and uh do, 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 yeah just just i didn't get interviewed you know um i, I was just after six hours uh a detective sergeant um, spoke to me and informed me that i would be given a charge and I'm in no position to uh, remonstrate against that. All, all you want to do in that situation, don't forget, you know, I feel like I've been unjustly uh, sorted out here. Um, so you just want to get out of the place. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I signed that paperwork under duress, um, as far as I'm concerned, which is something that I may or may not bring up in the court on, on Friday. Um, and I left and uh, got home and um, eventually got home and had a beer. Yeah. <laughs> and so we got the situation now where you've been arrested and we know at the time you're arrested uh, uh pierce corbyn's arrested a number of you arrested and you're standing at speaker's corner which is the home of free speech and the rest of it you're arrested there and yet down the road and around the same sort of time uh uh british uh, black lives matter are, are busy demonstrating nothing goes on there another extinction rebellion people are allowed to demonstrate in huge numbers and yet you're getting picked on so what I guess what you were saying, certainly what I'm beginning, I, I do think, is that now we're now going to arbitrary arrest. The powers of be will decide they don't like you, so they'll arrest you. They do like you, so they'll let you carry on and demonstrate. Is that is that your your thing? This arbitrary um, that is literally that is literally what our country has become, Alan. You know, we know that our job is to is to inform as many people as possible. That is what England, Great Britain, has descended into. You're quite right. A couple of weeks after I was arrested, the Black Lives Matter carnage in London happened. I didn't see any riot police out for those guys, you know. Um, you know, and I repeat, when we turned up on May the 16th, there was only 50, 60 or 70 of us, and we had 150 fully armed coppers there. You know, it was politicized policing. I'm absolutely no doubt that this is what's happened. I grew up believing the country was policed with impartial, impartial policing. No, we've now got a, a metropolitan police, and I underline this because I've been around the country this summer uh, campaigning uh, up and down the country and the policing is totally different outside London. Um, the, the Met Police are politicised and I've also seen thuggish behaviour by the TSG for no good reason at the Trafalgar Square rallies. You know I've literally had uh, TSG with batons raised towards me and you know and, and I've got like the defensive T TSG? Uh, hand Explain TSG, Terrorist Support Group? TSG, the Territorial Support Group which is the riot squad of the Metropolitan yeah. Police, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay fine. Yeah, no. you know, and, yeah. and you're quite right. The BLM, you know, didn't didn't get um, the same treatment. If my memory serves me right, with all that um, graffiti and vandalism that happened two weeks after May the 16th with the BLM people, there were 12 arrests, which were public order arrests. You know, it, there's no correlation to the fact that we've got 50 to 70 peaceful people just speaking their politics at Speaker's Corner. 
we are we are living in tyranny we are living in under ministerial decree and that is what happens um and i and i'm in court on friday as a result of that you know and uh, you know i feel like i think this is the test case on friday i'm i'm not aware of anybody else that's um, received a coronavirus 2020 regulation charge actually going towards a court hearing um, mm. so i'm pretty sure friday is uh, is the test case me and peers our cases are combined um, he's uh, walking into court with a statute lawyer um, and, um, you know, me, the living man, will be um, trumpeting my unalienable common law rights. There's every reason for thinking we're moving towards a totalitarian state. We're in it. We're in it, Alan. As far as I'm concerned, we are no longer living in a free country. You know, if, if I've got a government telling me that I can't order a pint of beer at 10 past 10 on a Friday night, that to me is not freedom. There is no scientific reason for these curfews to be in place. There's no scientific reason for the whole of Wales, I gather today, is being put into lockdown. Mm. You know, this, this, is, this is nuts politics. We're being taken over by genocidal maniacs, and I use that word knowingly. Um, people are dying. People have got to wake up. More people are dying in the lockdown than this so-called disease. A disease, by the way, that is not identifiable, that is not isolatable, that many, many doctors have asked the governments around the world to prove the existence of so-called CV-19. Listen, I'm, no, I'm not for one minute saying that a coronavirus doesn't exist. I'm not for one minute saying that people are not dying of a coronavirus, but this is part of the human condition. Every season, we have to combat coronavirus. This, this is no different. But what is different is that governments around the world are using the cover of CON-19 to usher in the new world order. It's as deep as that, it's as sinister as that, and the truth is all out there for people to see if they are minded to look for the truth. And I'm pleased to say more and more and more and more people are doing so. And the support that the rallies around the country are getting is, is increasing massively. And I'm, I'm getting a totally different conversation now from people that only five or six months ago completely dismissed any criticism of this as, as nuts criticism. Now people are listening because they can see that the lockdown measures are totally disproportionate. Our, our liberties are being taken away from us for no good reason. On, on Thursday, Jared Batten is joining us and he is a very similar view to you, Jeff, and he will be carrying on that conversation fresh from one of his regular Twitter restrictions because he keeps saying naughty things like uh, questioning well, the government consensus yeah, the, the censorship of people like gerard is an absolute yeah. disgrace you know um we we are this, this is really sinister stuff we've got thousands and thousands tens of thousands of doctors and scientists around the world you know i'm just a political campaigner i'm not a doctor i'm not a scientist but my job is to tell people that there are tens of thousands of qualified experts people like you know dolores cahill professor dolores cahill mm. in dublin you know, she knows her stuff about epidemiology and antibodies and immunology. Um, and there are thousands of others. But the government and the establishment and the media are censoring these people's views. Now, that surely must alert the general public to thinking, hang on, this can't be right. Um, you know, Dr. Vernon Coleman here in here in this country, you know, he's had to move away from YouTube because they keep censoring and deleting. It's not censoring. They actually deleting his videos. Now, this yeah. is a qualified retired GP. I recommend anybody listening to this that does not uh, or has not heard of Dr. Vernon Coleman, Google him. He's on brand YouTube now. That man has got some very, very 
good information and good things to say. He's one of thousands. Yeah, well, the first thing to say is I don't fear anything, Peter. You know, um, you know, I, I, I've slept really well uh, since May the 16th because I've got truth on my side. I've got common law on my side. And, and uh, you know, I will be, as I repeat before, I, you know, will be using my unalienable common law rights and, and, and intend to use them as, as Jeffrey White, the living man. Um, why they are delaying it? I'll tell you why they're delaying it, because they are headless chickens. We have been run by buffoons. Whitehall does not know what it's doing because it knows for its agenda of ushering in the new world order with the rest of the cabal around the world, you know, all the money men that want to drive us towards a cashless society, want to drive us forward to a digitized currency that the government control, um, want to drive us forward to a situation where we're forced to take vaccines, vaccines for an illness that doesn't need vaccination. You know, the most telling statistic of the lot is that 99.97% of people that contract so-called CV19 recover. Now, 0.03 is not a number that warrants the complete destruction of our social and economic life. But when you've got the motivation of the New World Order, of the World Economic Forum, for instance, of putting the world into a new financial enslavement, because that's literally what it is. I know these are big words. I know some people will be laughing at me now and thinking you're talking nuts. No, I'm not talking nuts. This is the motivation. This is what these people are trying to do to us and people need to wake up. Here in this country, in England, in Great Britain, we have common law on our, set, on our side. We are free to do what we're doing. The good people in Liverpool, I noticed yesterday, were rallying in their numbers about the, the, the ridiculous lockdown that's going on. More and more people need to do this. People need to understand the power that the individual citizen has got. There was a, an American lawyer in the 20s called Louis Brandeis who famously said the most important political office is that of the individual citizen. People just need to realise it. But we've, in my view, we've had 50 years of common purpose politics knocking out of people their knowledge of their freedoms that they've got. And we've got the younger generation in particular are taking this authority far too easy and they're not, they're not standing up for their freedoms that our forefathers, in my case, my grandfather, literally dodging budget, uh, bullets on the Normandy beaches in June 1944 to give me the freedom that I've enjoyed. All we've got to do is stand up and resist this, this nuts regime that the liar Boris Johnson is enforcing against the country. It's really Jeff, serious stuff. This is the fight of our lives. Jeff, how far are you willing to, to, uh, to be a martyr? I mean, if, if you're facing a, uh, a jail sentence, not from Friday, but if, the, if you carry on going the route you're going on, you could be facing a, a decent-sized jail sentence. I, I'm, I'm very much on your side on this. I'm deeply disturbed the way it's all going. But the facts are that... Um, they, they do have the authority. They are now an authoritarian government. They are going to lock people up who, who are, are trouble and the whole thing. So a personal question for you is, how far are you willing to go? If, they, if it looks like you're going to face five years in jail, will you do it? Right, well, that's a, that's a very good question. There's three, three things that are going to happen on Friday. I'm either going to win, I'm going to lose, or it's going to be adjourned. And of those three things, I'm not bothered what's going to happen, actually, because what I'm doing is highlighting to anybody that cares to look, the craziness of the situation that we're in. And me, as I say, me and Piers are the test case. So 
listen, the worst thing that can happen on Friday to me is I get found guilty and they throw a hundred pound fine at me. Now yeah, what I, I do, agree. what I do yeah. in that situation afterwards, uh, I really don't know what I'm going to do, Alan. If, if that happens, I'm I'm treat I'm treat I'm treating this as um, one one foot at a time, one step at a time, and and see what they throw at me. Um, my whole uh, focus this summer has been to prepare for Friday's Friday's hearing, and and believe me, I'm I'm prepared. Yeah, but, okay. but, but you can sorry, Jeff, but you can read your, you can understand your own anger. You can understand where it's at. So yeah, you might get a hundred pound fine. You might refuse to to pay it, and you might spend ten three and a half days in prison because you refuse to pay it. That's quite possible. But this could get really serious. Um, the, the the direction yeah. of travel is deeply serious, and therefore people like you who feel strongly about it and willing to go and confront the authorities and confront lockdowns in the wrong way and and and, and, and so on i like to find that, that find that the the penalties get much bigger and uh, you know if, if have, you don't get ten thousand pounds spot fine you won't go if you don't pay it you won't go to prison for three days you know so it gets bigger and bigger because that's the way it it's does going it does well look at my my new friend piers corbyn you know the most unlikely political friend of 2020 you know but me and Piers are getting on fine the man's a, a complete trooper he's uh, he's 73 years of age now and he's he's gone up and down the country um uh, at, at lots of different rallies and he speaks the truth this this issue transcends left and right that's the beauty yeah. of it you know I've rubbed shoulders with with left-wingers that I never thought I would do um and center you know we're talking about young and old we're talking about black and white it's been brilliant to see it and uh, I've made some brilliant friends this year I have to say uh, it was a year I, I was not expecting the course that it's taken. Um, but, you know, Piers has been handed a £10,000 fine for having the audacity of uh, organising the 29th of August rally at Trafalgar Square. Uh, uh, Trafalgar Square, by the way, which which was rammed with tens of thousands of people, as most people watching this will know. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's no way, I haven't actually specifically talked to Piers about this, but there's no way he's going to pay a £10,000 fine. He, he, he will go to jail. I'm absolutely certain of it um because this issue is so serious it's not a question of the issues getting serious alan it already is serious we've already had our liberty taken away from you you know i, I sort of semi joke about not being able to buy a pint of beer at 10 past 10 but that is serious it's a completely arbitrary nonsense regulation and people need to people need to stand up against it including businesses why why are businesses so fearful don't be fearful we we are in control 99.9 percent .9 of people are the people it's only the 0.1 percent that are running us that are coming up with these crazy regulations based on no good science based on science um that is uh, politicized they are completely ignoring the thousands and thousands and thousands of experts around the world that are telling them that the lockdown is not the way to go. When, when have we ever heard any conversation about what's happening in Sweden? You know, have you noticed how the conversation has gone from the number of people who are dying of so-called CV19 to the number of cases? Mm. I don't want to live in a country where medical convention is ignored. For the first time in my life, mm. I am seeing well people being intimidated to get tested for, an, for, for what I consider an imaginary disease. We're now living in an environment where the well are being quarantined. Now, now yeah. medical convention quarantines the sick. It doesn't quarantine the well. Mm. And, that's, and that's what the TSG mm. uh, baton charging hundreds of rally goers at Trafalgar Square on the 19th and the 26th was all about. There was no 
public order reason for that to happen. That was all about the imagery. And let me say that I saw Asian provocateurs working. I saw a stranger give to a friend of mine two cans of frozen lager as on the 19th of September. And he said to my friend, you can chuck those if you like. That was agent provocateur stuff. Fortunately, my mm. friend had the good presence to put the cans of lager in his pocket and not throw them. But I've seen infiltrators. I've seen agent provocateur stuff. And this is how, how sinister the Metropolitan Police are acting. There was no need for those riot squads at yeah. both those rallies. The difference is there was more violence against the people on the 26th because there was less men uh, around the stage protecting the, the stage where, as Alan said, Dr. Heiko Shoning was speaking because mm. the organisers of that second rally um, trusted, made the mistake of trusting the Metropolitan Police. Now, I knew the same thing was going to happen because on the 19th of September rally, my union jack flag um, and, and uh, placard was broken by the Met Police. So I made a new one. In fact, yeah, it's, it's, it's that one there. Uh, because I knew the Gestapo would turn up um, and it did not surprise me whatsoever that the, the, the word that the Met Police gave Piers Corbyn that they, they would allow the rally to happen, I knew they wouldn't do it and sure enough they came rushing in. There was no need for the riot squad, there was no need for the horses. The rally was coming to an end and I think it's very telling that the German Heiko Schoening, a world-renowned doctor, was just starting his speech and then he was shut down. This is fascism. This is not upholding free speech. The Metropolitan Police's number one job that day should have been to allow that freedom of assembly and freedom of speech. But no, they wanted to shut that man down and mm. shut him down they did. Yeah, it, it, it's fair comment, Alan. And there's a big body of opinion that says that Boris Johnson's strings are being pulled by others. I, I get the argument, but I choose to go with the other body of the argument which is that we are being governed by headless chickens that in the case of the Tory party government now are loving the 80 seat majority that they've got in the, the parliament that we now have and they are acting like power crazed dictators you know in my opinion Boris Johnson is loving being a dictator the man's a megalomaniac as far as I'm concerned and we we are literally talking about in my view institutionalized manslaughter that's gone on this this year because of the way the lockdown has been imposed i know of a lady that has committed suicide this year because of the lockdown she was in a hospital ward with depression and she was told that she couldn't see her family that night she hung herself now that is a real raw statistic i don't know anybody that's died of cv19 i know i know some people that have had serious flu and it's it's unpleasant you know i, I get that um, but we cannot trust the statistics that the government are putting out. Um, everything is twisted. Death, even death certificates are being manipulated. And it's not just me saying this. This is professional people are saying this. And the internet is full of that information. We live in the internet age. Fortunately, that information is available, despite the continuing censorship of this sort of in information. Um, really, really sinister stuff. But just going back to the government, um, the motivation here is um, throughout my life, you know, for the last 50 years, we've had more and more government. We've had a bigger, bigger state each and every year. And we've now got a situation where the state think the country's theirs. No, the country's ours. 
we are sovereign. It's the people that are sovereign, not the government. And we've got a parliamentary system that's completely shot to pieces because of the party political system. We've got parliamentarians now that are so remote from what's happening on the street because all they are seeing is their career. Not all of them. There are a few exceptions. And I was pleased to see last week that quite a few parliamentarians voted against this most sinister bill that's being sponsored by Pretty Patel going through um, the Commons now. Um, and there's off to the Lords, I hear, uh, last week, the uh, covert human intelligence bill. What a sinister piece of legislation. All being ushered in under the cover of COVID-19. This is a bill, ladies and gentlemen, that can give law enforcement authorities the right to murder people if they deem it fit that that's what they've got to do. That, Alan, is fascism. And, and this, it, is, this, is, this, is, this is the sort of thing that, that has been fed. Who, who would have thought a year ago that we would have had a, a, a political process um, talking about such things? But here we are at the end of 2020, and we are. Real sinister stuff. But then you've got other people who are on more on the right, who probably are more on our side politically, like David Curtin taking, uh, taking the mayor of London, Sadiq Khan to task, over the riot police going in and injuring and why. And it was a, it's a great short video with David asking questions and Sadiq is unable to answer and just says, Chairman, Chairman, help me, help me. I, I don't answer yeah. these questions. Um, David, David Curtin had a fantastic five minutes there questioning uh, the Mayor of London. Um, great work from David Curtin. David Curtin was at the 19th of September rally. He mm. was speaking. So he saw with his own eyes the thuggish behaviour of the Met Police, yeah. which hopefully next year he will be the Mayor of. And mm. uh, I hope the good people of London realised uh, what, a, what a, a potentially really good candidate they've got in David Curtin. I was really impressed with that five minute. It was cringeworthy. The way yeah. that Khan did not answer the question. So well played, David Curtin. That was great politics. And uh, I hope to see David on the streets again, because there's nothing like actually walking the streets to see and feel, um, you know, what's really, really going on there. Um, you know, timid groupthink from the judiciary. I'm not expecting anything from the judiciary on Friday, I assure you guys. You know, I, I'm going in there completely open-eyed. You know, don't forget, it was only, what, less than a year and a half ago that Tommy Robinson literally had the judiciary change the law specifically for his case so yep. that they could lock him up. Yep. Now, that, that's shocking. And we're, we're still living in a situation where the judiciary and the parliamentarians and, and the Whitehall class think that they are untouchable and they're getting more and more emboldened as time goes on. And until the people rise up, until the people realise what's happening, it will carry on. So as each week goes on, that we don't stop this descent into tyranny happening, this sort of stuff will continue. Yeah, I noticed that um, the, the, the comments from the judge last week on Simon Dolan's case were, were appalling, complete fudge. Mm -hmm. But the judicial review still goes on. And I know Robin Tilbrook has also got a judicial review going through as well. So um, how how the, uh, the, uh, the court is going to, deal with me on Friday when there's a judicial review going on on the very charges that I'm up against. It's going to be very interesting to see. And I look forward to it. I look forward to them squirming on it because what I've been charged with is not a law. It's purely a regulation. And as far as I'm concerned, it goes completely against, uh, I don't want to give too much away with what I'm going to say on Friday. So I, I, I'll, I'll cut my comments short there, I think. <laughs> 
I hear what you say, Alan, and, and what you're saying is just a very polite version of what I'm saying, really. Um, <laughs> but but um, when, you know, we're talking in a week now. Last week in Washington, D.C., there's a bill going through called, let me just remember it, called the Banking for All Act, or the Banking for All Bill. Now, that is a piece of legislation that will give the Federal Reserve the ability to ban cash, to go towards a cashless society. That, that bill that's going through Washington, D.C. now, I'm reliably informed, um, will allow the Federal Reserve to issue its own digitized currency, which means the government will control money, totally control money, the value of it, who gets it, why they get it. Now, that is ushering in the new world order. That is the new world order. And as soon as you get to a situation where people have not got cash to exchange between themselves, you lose that independence and you get into a situation where the government runs everything. That is not what freedom is. All and it's not as if history has not been littered with this. It, you know, throughout history, um, societies have got an ever, ever more reaching government controlling them. And it's always been a case where the people allow the enslavement and this is exactly what's happening the the complicitness to these ridiculous rules is sickening to see because people are just allowing the freedoms that we've got to go through their fingers and people need to wake up if You're they right. cherish their freedom if they control the cash if the government is hostile if they control the trash they can not only stop you having a job they can stop you buying food because you can't like to, they'll simply make sure you don't have any money in your account they can do what they like once they control all that so you've got to fall yeah. in line. You want to feed your kids sort of thing, because otherwise yeah. you will have no money to spend. They won't allow you to spend whatever assets you've got at Tesco's or, or wherever it happens to and them. Look, control and, closely, and, closely allied, and closely allied to these comments, Alan, is, is where the 5G thing kicks in. Because, un, again, under the cover of Con 19, 5G has been rolled out. I was on the motorway the other day, and I saw yet another three 5G masks rolling out somewhere. In Milton Keynes here, we've got seven being erected at a cost of 8.7 million pounds. This is unproven technology. There is no proof that this is not harmful to the human, the human body. There is plenty of doctors saying that it harms the human body. And, you know, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist, but in the studies that I've done, it's the frequency and, and the controllability of the frequency that, that is, is what could do the harm. And uh, when we've got a situation where we've got, uh, people like Bill Gates trying to develop a vaccine for this so-called COM-19 when we don't need a vaccine, when we've got a situation where for the first time a vaccine is going to have an RNA uh, content to it, which will change the DNA of us human beings, this is Orwellian stuff. And it's all coming to a perfect storm. And they keep lying to us. I'll just remind you, I know we're coming to the end of this now. Um, back in Back in March, Boris Johnson looked at that camera and he said, we just need to go into a lockdown for a few weeks so that we can flatten the curve. Liar. Boris Johnson, you're a liar because you knew what was coming. And ever since then, it's been more and more lockdown. It's been more and more regulations. The more people take these regulations, the more that will come, despite the liar Boris Johnson saying that if you're a good, if you're good people, we'll let you out for Christmas. No, no, more and more is coming because the statistics do not add up. People are not dying in their numbers. And I repeat, 
0.97% of people that contract so-called COM-19 are not dying of it. Now, that number of the unfortunate deaths, every death's a tragedy. 1,700 people a day die in this country normally. CV-19 is only the 24th worst killer. You know, I don't see any lockdowns for heart attacks or, or uh, respiratory conditions or cancer. Look at all these poor people that are not taking their, their, their cancer treatments because they're scared of going into hospital. They're, the hospitals have been empty over the summer. There are doctors and nurses. I, I heard a nurse on, on Saturday afternoon in Leicester Square who was sacked. She was a 111 nurse. She was sacked because she dared come out and say, she literally said it's all bollocks. And she was sacked for that and because she was telling the truth. In her experience, people that needed an ambulance because they were having a heart attack wouldn't go to hospital because they're scared of this fear contagion that our government are instilling against the people. It's an absolute outrage. It's criminal conduct. And we need to stand up. People have got the power. If only people would have the confidence, um, people have got the power. Let's hope, let's hope they will wake up. People are waking up. So, I'm here with Jeff, who sneaked in before I got here. Um, Jeff, you want to give us a little bit of an update? Obviously, Piers is still in there. You were let out early. Uh, I understand that it's been put off to February. Get, fill us in. Let us know what's happened. Yeah, my case is adjourned. So, I've got another day of inconvenience on February the 8th. Um, I uh, submitted my common law submissions to the judge. We had a perfectly civilized conversation i made it very clear to uh, the judge that i do not recognize his jurisdiction under common law he listened he asked me what my name was and uh, i very clearly said i am the living man jeffrey wyatt uh, i come in peace sir i'm here to clarify matters because i believe uh, that your jurisdiction that i'm here under uh, i own my legal fiction mr jeff Wyatt, that has brought me here um, and i do not recognize your jurisdiction so he was made very aware of that stance of mine, and which is fine. Uh, he allowed me to spread my paperwork out on the on the desk where the barristers and lawyers sit, which is which is fine. Um, and then Piers's barrister asked for the cases to be severed uh, because of uh, time constraints and the fact that there were different witnesses to be called. But I understand you're you're using common law but peers isn't so that also makes them different does it or it wasn't because of that i don't know what it was for i don't know what it was for um the 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 barristers i just let the barristers talk you know uh i i, I come in peace um as far as i'm concerned i don't recognize uh the the court uh because you know my whole uh freedoms under common law uh, are being impinged by this whole process but you know, I'm a reasonable man. I just want to clarify matters for everybody. Um, so I let them do their legalese talk, and the, the judge then addressed me and said uh, that he's decided to adjourn my case um, until February the 8th. Fine. Uh, I'll have to take another day out of my life and uh, come down and have exactly the same conversation, maybe with the same judge, maybe with a different guy. But do you know what might happen by then? good sense might actually come into the frame of this judicial system and this government that we have. Um, Piers Corbyn may well uh, be able to argue with his statute lawyer that he is not guilty. He's not guilty of being a free man. He's not guilty of standing up at Speaker's Corner speaking his politics, which is exactly what we were doing. Um, 
the charge that we're both under, which specifically was uh, participating in a gathering of more than two people, contrary to the coronavirus 2020 regulations, without excuse. Sorry, we had the best excuse there is. And that excuse is the British Constitution. That, is, that excuse is our signature as a country to the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. That excuse is our signature to the European Convention on Human Rights. Now, this judge here today, he will know that there are, to my knowledge, there are at least two judicial reviews going through the High Court as we speak. Now, surely that man knows that. Now, surely he is not prepared to find a man guilty when he knows there is a judicial review going on. That's one, that's one item here. But we will see. Um, I've got the rest of the day basically supporting Piers now. You know, Piers has now become the test case. Uh, I walked into that court this morning, uh, slightly before Piers, um, with, us, with be, my, me being told by a judge on the 10th of July that our cases were combined, and now they're not combined. Um, you know, fine, okay, fine, you know, it's adjourned. Uh, uh, we'll see what happens in February. Let's put it off to February, and that means that'll be nine months after the you going to the park occurred. And obviously they want to use the law to hang over you like a guillotine, and, and it, it concerns anyone, and they want to silence someone by that threat hanging over them, instead of, if they find you guilty, find you guilty, and then charge you and get it done with, but said they have this hanging over you. Yeah, that's, that's due process. You would think in a free country like England that that's the process that we would live under. No, no, it's all part of the intimidation. I don't get intimidated. I don't fear anything because I've got natural law. I've got truth on my side. There can be nothing clearer in my mind than what people like me and Piers and millions, literally millions of others. Don't forget, as you know, I've been on the streets all summer uh, with Piers and others claiming our liberty. And the, the movement is growing massively. And they in the establishment know it. They know what is happening, and they don't, they don't like what's going on here. Who knows where the instruction has really come from to adjourn my case? You know, maybe it was my common law submissions. You know, I've clearly given... I sent a lawful submission to this court a few days ago by recorded delivery, and the judge hadn't seen it, which is exactly what the judge said on the 10th of July. So I predicted this. Um, so I took a copy of those two lawful submissions and I've handed via the court usher today and it's on the record now it's in black and white the judge has been given a copy of it there is no excuse for him not to understand my um, reliance upon common law um, and my reliance upon the fact that I do not consent to the policing that happened on that day because he was not the PC the police constables on the day were not enforcing law. The coronavirus regulations are still not law. It's purely regulations from, in my view, a draconian government, a government that is overstepping the mark, a government that is uh, running still, roughshod, over the parliamentary process, a government that is taking advantage of its dictatorial 80-seat majority. And we're not having it. Boris Johnson, we're not having it. You are a liar. You keep lying to the people of this country. Two or three weeks ago, he looked into that camera with those puppy dog journalist eyes and he said a million people have died of COVID-19, so-called COVID-19. He knew that that figure that he was quoting was an international figure. Not that, I, not that that figure is correct. We all know that the CV-19 test results are based on a, on, a, on a test that is at best vastly inconclusive and he's trying to intimidate the people. And I have to say it's working, Peter. We have the behavioural insights team 
uh, for Matthew Parker Street in this, in this country, who is inflicting the biggest psychological operations on this country that we have known in our lifetime. And I get why people are wearing the masks. The masks are muzzles. There are thousands of medical scientists and doctors around the world telling people wearing a mask is unnecessary, it's actually hurting people. And because of the intimidation, there is no law. Now, I, I had it here this morning, coming into the court, the security people intimidated me because I wasn't wearing a mask. They can intimidate me as much as they like. I've got every right not to wear a mask. I haven't got the symptoms, like the vast majority of this country, and a mask is not necessary. I do not want to harm my body by wearing a mask unnecessarily. I want to breathe the fresh air. Not that the Marybone Road air is particularly fresh, but it's better than wearing a mask. You know, deep, deep implications of what's going on. Thank you. Well, we'll certainly be here with you in February. So, we have Jeff, Dolores and John, you've just come out of court. Jeff, first, do you want to tell us what happened? Well, the conclusion is um, I haven't been fined, I've been given a conditional discharge, but technically uh, I've been proven guilty of a criminal charge. And that criminal charge is turning up at Speaker's Corner on my own with my friend Paul Watson on May the 16th and speaking politics at the Doyen the epicenter of freedom of speech of the world and our present government thinks that that is a criminal offence. I put considered and measured arguments to the court about why that should not be considered a criminal offence. Maybe that's the reason why I haven't been fined. Uh, but I have been thrown with a, uh, a cost order, a prosecution cost, cost order of, uh, I think it adds up to £647. Um, and I'm sure I'll be challenging uh, the decision because uh, there's various things that were wrong in uh, how the judge uh, looked at what I said. And I put a, you know, a good deal of effort with help from lots of people around the country, which I, which I thank. Uh, the help that I've had over the last few months in um, putting together my argument or defence, uh, de depending on how you look at it. Um, but it makes no difference. I consider that the judge... Um, had already made a mind up what she was going to do. Um, the, the summing up uh, judgment that she gave was long-winded and uh, that was uh, only written in 25 minutes or so. So as far as I'm concerned, that summation was uh, written before the end of the events at the court. Um, and it's not good enough that my detailed... Um, representations about the Bill of Rights. We live in this country under common law. I majored on the Bill of Rights 1688 and 1689 as my unalienable right to speak as a free man, to walk the streets of England as a free man. And the whole question of the Bill of Rights, the whole question of the British Constitution was overlooked by the judge in the summing up. Um, she, in my opinion, majored on a technicality um, don't forget I was representing myself and she majored, majored on a technicality of the European Court of Human Rights as the reason why why my argument and defence was not valid. I totally disagree with that. I majored on the Bill of Rights 1688 and 1689. I majored on my constitutional rights. Um, I majored on the Magna Carta and this was handed to the judge as a written summation which was put together with a, you know, a good deal of effort from the likes of John Smith and others around the country, Phil Ridley needs a mention, um, and others. And uh, 
I have grounds for an appeal, and I will be going home and considering uh, that, despite the fact I've not been fined, despite the fact that the judge recognised my argument of my right to freedom of speech, um, I'm still technically being found guilty of a criminal charge. Now, as a man of good character and a man with no criminal record, you know, I don't take kindly to that. So I'll be considering whether I will uh, be appealing this decision um, over the next few days. I think it should be made clear that I, from the get-go, challenge the jurisdiction of this, of this court because um, I mentioned to the police constable that I live under common law and I do not consent to this policing and throughout the court proceedings I politely made it clear to the judge that uh, I do not accept the jurisdiction of the of the prosecutor and and, uh, and the court and there was um, I had to labor the point because the the court does not like to hear that and my biggest consideration is in my appeal um, how important it is to get our common law rights heard again in a court of, of, of this country uh, because our common law rights are to be cherished and our common law rights need to be um, thought about um, and fought for. You know, we've had over a thousand years of history in this country with people shedding blood, sweat and tears to get the freedom of movement and I believe we've got a government that is running roughshod over those rights and uh, I and many hundreds of thousands of other people in this country, if not millions, fully are aware of how serious this is. So. So, not a brilliant day, um, and uh, it's, it's very sad that a man can't journey down to Speaker's Corner and say politics, and despite careful summations, I feel the establishment have overlooked and disregarded them, and uh, this is what I will be looking to do with an appeal. Um, and of course, we have John and Dolores. I'll not keep you here for long because the snow is coming down on us. It's freezing. John, obviously, you've come to, to assist Jeff with the fight on common law. Do you want to just touch on that and your thoughts on the case? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, um, it's nice to be here, Westminster Majesty's Court, just to confirm that in the UK we have no justice. Uh, it was pointed out to the court on numerous occasions with submitted paperwork which they have accepted and agreed with the Westminster Magistrates Court is a registered company, the House of Commons is a registered company, the House of Parliament is a registered company and also the CPS is a registered company. They're not here for justice, it says they are corporations run for profit, there's no justice here. Now the paperwork that was submitted uh, to the court required them to deal with our stance under common law. It's that of a living man and that of ownership of the legal fiction which the state have fraudulently claimed and it's been attached to the individual. Now we submitted the paperwork and the judge refused to allow him representation. Uh, he offered, he, the judge threatened to throw me out of court uh, and they threatened to throw Dolores out of court as well for speaking up and basically just went on about our business. What she did do is confirm that she received the documentation confirming that the various bodies we spoke about were registered corporations, but she then ignored it completely and carried on. What's just happened with the ruling in this court is the judge has bound the people in this country into slavery, without a doubt. He says, you are slaves, you're answerable to the state, and that's it. That's what this ruling has done, and it's time that people actually stood up and took them on. 
Uh, while there is an opportunity within their system to appeal this, um, I would hope that this would be taken further, but I would like to point out that we're not appealing anything because that's our system. We will challenge the verdict if we go down that route. Okay, thank you. And Dolores, you obviously have uh, come in, uh, well, for you're from Ireland, but do you want to give your thoughts on what you've just seen, obviously from a slightly different perspective, I guess? So um, it's great to be here and stand with Jeff and John. Uh, so I suppose maybe people might know, but what was on trial here was can two men walk in the park and actually walk to, as Jeff said, the home of Speaker's Corner in Hyde Park. So that was made, uh, was here in the Magistrates Court here uh, in Westminster in London. Uh, that two men that went for a walk in the park in May 2020 have now been convicted of a criminal prosecution and for nine months will be under caution. Um, so England is the home of freedom to travel, freedom of speech and bodily integrity. And why these freedoms are really important is there are issues around free speech and vaccination, informed consent, and freedom of travel, whether you can leave the country or come back to England without uh, the state actually vaccinating you uh, or forcing you to do a PCR test. So I was very shocked today on a number of things. Obviously, what was presented and accepted by the judge is that uh, the Crown Prosecution Service is a corporation um, and that aspects the court is a corporation. Uh, and so therefore, what we are not getting is justice. So in the nation, the people have inalienable rights to travel. So this conviction for a criminal prosecution was two men walking in the park. And what we would like to say to everyone, especially English and common law countries, is that your inalienable rights of freedom of travel, bodily integrity, freedom of speech, are being now today a criminal offence. And so what we've moved from between 2020 and 2021 is from freedom to tyranny. And what I'm very happy, I'm standing here as Dolores Cahill on my own behalf, but I'm president of the World Doctors' Alliance and president of the World Freedom Alliance and what we need to do is actually support people and I am supporting Jeff and John we need to develop courses to inform people that if you want you or your children to not live in tyranny if you want your two children to go to the park you have to help us communicate that we do have the right for two men to go to the park this uh, there is prevention and treatment for COVID-19 the question should be why is Nobel Prize winning prevention and treatment not been made available. The UK government on the 19th of March 2020 declared that SARS-CoV-2 was not a highly infectious disease. And when she was reading her verdict, the judge was basing it on the fact that it was in May 2020 highly infectious. I actually put up my hand to inform her that she was going to be involved in a miscarriage of justice. I had come over to be a witness. She did not come. I came from another country. She did not accept me as a witness. And actually, the judge herself is actually has been guilty today, I would say, of a crime of not taking vital factual information into account. The UK government, if people look up gov.uk backslash infectious diseases, the 19th of March 2020, they said SARS-CoV-2 is not a high-consequence infectious disease. Therefore, all of the aspects of the lockdown from the 19th of March 2020 do not have any basis. And therefore, the lockdown, the issues around walking, mass PCR testing are actually not supported by the law. When I said to her very calmly, after putting up my hand for five minutes, that she had made a mistake, 
that I would like to contribute factual information. She did not accept it. She walked away. And then I held my hand up for the entire remainder of her judgment. And I said at the end that it is the onus of a judge to actually take all factual information into account. So she based her judgment on a false basis. There is an expert witness available to calmly tell her and read from the UK government own website that she was incorrect. She did not take it and she, co she convicted a man of the crime of walking to Speaker's Corner in Hyde Park in London to exercise multiple rights, freedom of assembly, freedom of association, freedom of free spe speech, in order to exchange information about what's going on, including whether or not there is a public health emergency. There is not one. So I would ask people listening to this, this is a wake-up call. Your inalienable rights of freedom to travel, freedom for two men to walk in the park. So I would say we should call this around the world. This is criminalizing two men walking in the park, right? That's now a crime in England in the United Kingdom. And as we know, the lockdown does more harm than good. If one year of the lockdown, everyone alive in the UK will lose one year of life. So on Boris Johnson's shoulders and on the shoulders of this judge today, that the people in the United Kingdom have lost 66 million years of life for a disease that is not highly infectious, that has prevention and treatments that between them, vitamin D, C and zinc, hydroxychloroquine, zinc and ivermectin, between them are two on the World Health Organization, essential medicine of the world, and three Nobel Prizes. No person should die. So you should be asking yourself today, why is prevention and treatment not been made available so that the elderly or people need not die? Why are they firing from their jobs and the government allowing the mass media, the BBC, ITV and social media companies censoring doctors and nurses and scientists who are trying to prevent death? And why are the courts, the corporation courts in London criminalizing two men walking in the park when they should know that to prevent suicide, depression, and anxiety in England, men have to gather, and all people, to exercise their right to engage with their friends and family. So it's my great honor today to be supporting John and Jeff. And I would say, please come and join John Smith. Please come and support us in the World Freedom Alliance, in the UK Freedom Alliance, in the World Doctors Alliance, and also all of the groups starting across the UK. We need your help. We will try maybe and produce a program for an hour or two to communicate what's going on, how you actually engage in the courts. And I would say my call to you, all of you listening today in 2021, is you have inalienable rights that cannot be taken away. You have freedom of speech, freedom of travel, bodily integrity, and access to justice. Justice has failed the people of England, the United Kingdom, and the world today. And please come and join us to bring justice back to England and the world. Thank you very much. Well... Thank you, Jeff, for standing up and not giving up and walking away. And thank you to John and Dolores for all that you do, not only in the UK, but across Europe. Um, and we'll certainly unpack this a little bit. And maybe we'll have Jeff on a live stream soon, unpack this, and look at what this means for us in the UK. So thank you very much, Hearts of Oak. And we are off to get somewhere warm. Now, <laughs> Jeff has been patient. <laughs> I'll bring him in. Jeff, hello. Hello there, Peter. I'm sorry for keeping. I wanted to get through that, and others talk too much, so I'm sorry. Jeff, it's great to have you, and of course, you spoke at our launch. You gave a, an award out to, to Best Amy for um, her her courage, and uh, you, of course, well known 
for holding up your sign, speaking of freedom. And that obviously has been brought into, I guess, question those freedoms. But with, without touching on anything COVID related, which who knows could get us kicked off. Um, but Jeff, actually the thing which struck me, you've obviously been dragged through the court system and you've stood your ground and, and fought for the right to have your freedom to go to the park, to walk around our green and pleasant lands and have your freedoms, which seems to be taken away through the increasingly um, uh, forceful lockdown of a libertarian prime minister, supposedly. Um, but the video we had outside court uh, on, you've been in court a few times, so I, I keep forgetting which was the last one in Westminster, uh, where Dolores was there, Dolores Kyle and John Smith was there. And that had, someone obviously put that out on uh, social media, and that had about 7,000 views on Rumble. And normally in Rumble, we get a couple of hundred, two, three, four hundred. Um, and that is suddenly, all the other videos are here and Jeff's video is up here. So there's obviously a huge interest in what you did, standing up against systems. You just want to let us know, obviously you didn't expect that to happen whenever you spoke on the 28th of February. So you've been taken through the court and just give us your thoughts on how you found that experience. <laughs> um, <laughs> sobering um, is, is one word I would use to describe it. Yeah, who would have thought a year ago and how prophetic that was to uh, award uh, based Amy a Freedom yep. Award. And then, you know, little did I know three months later, I would be arrested, cuffed, thrown into a paddy wagon, taken six hours of my life away from me on a Charing Cross uh, police station cell, charged under the draconian uh, coronavirus charges. Um, we don't live in a free society, Peter. You mentioned about being able to walk these free and pleasant lands. We can't. We have regulations in place that prohibit a man going along to Speaker's Corner and speaking his politics. And I had uh, two court hearings adjourned. The third, which was on February the 8th, was not adjourned but I had a judge who frankly did not read my summation and uh, I went into some detail about the Bill of Rights, Article 5, Magna Carta 1215, um, the British Constitution and our right to speak as, as free people. But no notice was taken of that detailed summation. We've got a situation where the judiciary are just playing lip service with the government. That's how bad, how sinister the situation is in this country. Now, I hear this week there's been various mutterings from lawyers saying that uh, our common law rights to speak freely need to be um, need to be honoured uh, by the police and the judiciary. Well, they weren't honoured with me on February the 8th, despite my detailed summations um bringing to the attention um to the judge of our ancient common law rights uh, maybe i was a week too early um but you know i'm not seeing any evidence of uh, of authority wanting to guard those common law rights and this is what's come out of the many months that i have uh, sort of um used my case to learn further about the whole subject of common law and it's there. It's there for our protection, but we have a statute system that doesn't want to acknowledge it. That's what comes over loud and clear from the system that I've been um, been through here. At any opportunity, um, the magistrates' courts, of which I note that Crime Bodge very accurately describes the magistrate system 
as the wild west of justice he's absolutely right you know i didn't see much desire uh, to have liberty and justice administered towards me i just had a situation where system uh, routine was thrown at me at, at, uh, at every juncture and there was no uh, motivation to hear the common law uh, rights that i try to put in front of a judge that that's what came over loud and clear with what i experienced peter um, you've, uh, there have been many people, oh, I'm getting echoed. There've been many people who've obviously been, uh, been fined and, and arrested. And, uh, there are people who are opposing that, those fines and lockdowns, but it's been, to me, it's been sad. I think how people have been beaten into submission, how they've accepted. And it's not just here. There are, I think, pockets of resistance but i we, we may disagree on this yet but I, I think that people have sadly accepted what they've been told which is i think quite concerning for us who believe in freedom and personal responsibility and personal rights and the, the right to yeah. so yeah 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 i don't know how you've seen viewed that well lord jonathan sumption um quite rightly said or accurately said some months ago that that do the people care about losing their liberties or words to that effect and he's absolutely right a good proportion of the population don't seem to be care yeah. they don't seem to care that a man can go along to speaker's corner on may the 16th and get arrested for it but that yeah. is the society that we've become deeply troubling um and i noticed today there was an interview with sir charles walker with um david blunkett uh, yeah the the labor home secretary x um but on lockdown tv um and although it was a good interview and charles walker um talks the talk as far as um what's going on with the loss of our liberties goes nowhere near far enough there is this um implicit desire by the parliamentarians to toe the politically correct line yep. and we, are, we have not got any elected politicians that are prepared to do what's really necessary in this sinister situation of our freedoms being taken away from us. Um, it needs to change. I know that Robin Tilbrook of the English Democrats has still got a live judicial review, but mm. despite the authorities last week uh, throwing a curveball at him and not giving him permission on the yep. originally worded uh, paperwork, but it's still live, ladies and gentlemen, it's still live out there. And I've got great hope. It's, it's almost like the last hope that Robin Tilbrook and his colleagues um can get a judicial review heard properly in the high court and get this sinister attack on our freedoms overturned by a government that is working against the people um there is no other way of describing what is going on there is no desire for the government in control of our lives to listen to the hundreds of thousands of doctors and scientists around the world who are saying no you've got it wrong you know there are there are censorship issues going on i mean last week um fiona hine uh was part of a team that produced a great rebuttal to uh last week's panorama program where they were trying to label anti-lockdowners and anti-vaxxers as loons basically mm -hmm. and the rebuttal that oracle films did um featured testimony from dozens of these experts and doctors around the world now why is that video being censored i noticed that youtube have taken that off off air why have you done that youtube this is fair comment these are experts who know what they're talking about people have got an appetite for learning what these experts are saying and these are deeply sinister times when uh testimony like that is is ignored and censored it's one thing a political campaigner like I am. I'm not a doctor, I'm not an expert. There's one thing 
me being locked up, but there's another and censored, which I have been. There's been some of my videos have been taken down, unbelievably. Um, but there's another thing when you have Professor Dolores Cahill, yeah. a world-leading uh, immunology specialist who has been shut down, who has been persecuted by the authorities. Mm. Mm. That is deeply sinister, and that's what we're all we're all worried about, and what we're all fighting um, to to have uh, have righted, Peter. Absolutely. Well. Thank you for, I just wanted you to come on a bit. I've still got a video to play of Alan. I see the time. But it was interesting, Jeff, because I remember having these discussions with you early on and you were of very strong. Yeah, I, I, I remember you've been a little bit sceptical in the early days, Peter, but I soon won you round and you, uh, what was it, the words you said at Westminster? Yes, you were right, Jeff. Yes, but you may Can not you be right that? next time. True, true, true. <laughs> so enjoy it. <laughs> but I, I know will. that but but that's that's part of this like everything we do it's good to be able to debate and if you disagree that you you learn from each other and we we disagreed but we didn't fall out didn't argue it's you have a different opinion and some of us change our views some don't but it's it's all we're all here to fight for freedom in in whatever form that takes and i think we've all been shocked at how those have been taken away so jeff well done on standing up the the system and uh, obviously that was your first time being arrested back in May. It's not something which usually happens to you, so you had no idea what you're going to face, but you stuck with it right to the end, uh, nine, ten months, um, and you stuck to your gun. So well done, Jeff. Thanks, Peter. Nice talking to you. Good um, to have you on. And Great work with that big list of uh, guests that you've interviewed over the last year. I, I've missed some of those, I must admit, but uh, I need to catch up. Some good names there. It's been it's been good fun and and it's uh, when Jack Possibly came on five minutes after he was supposed to and that was the first time I'd talked to him so you're getting it live I'm just meeting him as all the audience are meeting him where with most others I, I caught up with them beforehand but it's been great just in different angles the whole thing about CCP and the march through their institutions uh, is is an area which I guess we didn't really take notice of before. And it's been interesting looking into that. And that is a huge threat that we all face. So yeah. it's it's one of the many battles that we all face. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you, Jeff. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list. Donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofoak.org. Thank you for listening.